Hey everybody, this is Brad Williams and I am the pastor of B4 Church. Welcome to our podcast. My prayer is that this would help you behold God, that you would see Him for who He is, that you would belong to community, that you would be everything that you were created to be, and that you would be able to dream beyond the limitations in your life. So I hope you enjoy this teaching and we look forward to seeing you in person soon. Hey everyone, welcome to the B4 Podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Alex, and we are your hosts today, and we are joined by Carol Ann. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. You're one of our favorite people to come rotating in. Actually, everybody who records with us is our favorite person. (laughs) Oh, I feel so special. Don't take that too personally. Don't don't take that too personally, but we especially love having you um, here at the church. Carol Ann, do you want to share a little bit about what you do here and maybe a little bit about your background as well? I am the resource coordinator for Beaver and Foursquare, and that means I read a lot of books and get a lot of resources um, kind of behind the scenes. Um, Mm -hmm. I do the podcast uh, show notes. You help sit here and make sure we sound good while we're recording. I I do. I also get to do on the same page and uh, coordinate uh, electronic resources for Right Now Media and Overdrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, when people are looking, how do I take a deeper dive on a cer- certain subject? I want to learn more. Um, you are one of our go-to people to help coordinate I will that. give them lists and lists of things that yeah, they will absolutely. enjoy reading. Yeah, Maybe. and yet, but aside from that responsibility, tell a little bit about your background as well. My background, uh, I'm originally from Memphis, Tennessee. Yeah. I grew up there 37 years in okay. Memphis, and I worked uh, in social work through college. I have a master's in social work. Um, mm-hmm. and did a little bit of alcohol and drug addict care and yeah. then victims of violent crime. Then I took a side job and did mission work for 10 years wow. and worked in orthopedics while doing missions, which was, yeah. you know, God arranges interesting combinations. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've always thought this, at least, that we are the byproduct of a couple different things. And some of that is our experience and then our personality, you know, mm-hmm. the combination of those two. But your experiences have put you in like close proximity with really complicated people mm-hmm. living in very complicated situations. And, and all ends of the spectrum too. You absolutely. have everything from working with churches, working with drug addicts, working with doctors, working with homeless people, like all yeah. of the things. There's not a people group in a lot of ways that you probably haven't interacted with in some way. Absolutely. And not only relationally, but the systems that sit behind all of that as well. You've been familiar with them up close. You've been shaping, forming some of those. So we wow, think- Wow, you make me sound a lot better than <laughs> I am. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, well, and and that's part of the reason why we invited you in today. As you know, we're having a series of conversations that we're we're titling Grace and Attention. And being in so many complicated situations means that you have had to live in grace and attention a lot. And um, particularly today, we're talking about what does it look like to live in the tension of opposing ideas. Yeah, and one of the things I admire about you, Caroline, we actually share an office, so we spend a lot of time together. Um, And one of the things that I admire about you is the breadth of which you read, because you read things that you agree with, and you read things that you vehemently disagree with. You're all over the place. And you have a phrase um, when you're thinking about reading opposing voices or listening to opposing voices that you use a lot called spitting out the bones. Um, Will you explain what you mean by that and how it's helpful as you're like reading any and every book you can get your hands on? Well, I grew up in in Memphis, like I said, and we eat a lot of meat in Memphis. (laughs) And so um, when you eat chicken, when you eat ribs, you learn very quickly that there's parts of it that taste really good and there's parts of it that you don't eat. 
Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're making Um, me hungry. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good thing. Yeah. Um, And so reading a book, listening to a podcast, meeting people, there's always going to be part of it that I don't agree with. Mm -hmm. But there may be something that I can benefit from and learn from. And so spitting out the bones, kind of that metaphor, um, really communicates that idea, I think, very well of I can read a book and I get what I need from it. I get what my body needs from it. And I can leave the bones on the table. Mm-hmm. I don't have to eat them. Yeah. Um, they don't have to become part of sure, me. Sure, sure. Um, I won't get more graphic and I won't make it more hungry. <laughs> so there you go. No, I think that's a powerful metaphor. And I think a lot of people have heard that before. But um, sometimes these things have to sink deep into our souls in order for us um, to really see the power in them. Um, and But one of the things that came to mind is when you're dealing with someone who has a different opinion than you or you're reading something that has a different opinion than you, how do you differentiate between what is meat and what is bone? Because like mm-hmm. in that metaphor, when you're eating, it's really easy, <laughs> right? <laughs> Less easy when you're reading a blog yeah. post or listening to a podcast exactly. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, if you swallow a bone, you know that's, that's <laughs> you know, it's going to yeah. hurt. You're right? going to feel that one later. Right, but again, when you're dealing with you know, opposing viewpoints of your own, you're dealing with trying to navigate the wisdom and teaching of scripture, all that. Like, how do you differentiate? How do you figure that out? Mm-hmm. I think you start small and you learn along the way. Right. Um, okay. I don't think you just dive into, I'm going to read this treaty on Easter meditation, you know, tomorrow mm. and, and think that you're going to be able to differentiate everything that you need to. Um, mm-hmm. But you can start with stretching yourself. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, if, if you're reading within your religion, pick some, a religion that's close to that, but a little different. Sure. So maybe an example might be if mostly I read in the Christian genre, maybe I read something by a Jewish author. Right. Close, sure. but not exactly the same. But we exactly. probably have more in common in a lot of ways than we would different. So the thing I love about books is they're static, right? And mm-hmm. you can practice the skill on books, but you can also grow it to use in podcasts, which is, are a little bit more fluid and, mm-hmm. and it's more conversational. And then actually in relationships. And I think you can learn a lot from just being able to have a conversation with people and learn from their viewpoints and not have to buy in to everything that they think or mm-hmm. believe um mm-hmm. but to spit out the bones in conversation as well mm-hmm. it i live and breathe books uh, but it it's a skill set that translates across yeah and it's an important skill for us to have because we're always going to be coming up against people it doesn't matter what we believe there's you know a thousand people that believe something very differently than us so in order for us to be able to have relationships in general we have to be able to listen to people who believe something differently than we do on a variety of subjects so it's a very important skill for us to learn Mm -hmm. i think of opposing ideas in like three spheres there's the opposing ideas that are inside of me there's the opposing ideas that are close to me and then there are the opposing ideas that are far away from me so those three um they have to be held together so what gets inside of me are the things that I've ingested that are from outside of me, right? So like uh, when I read, for example, that's an idea outside of me. That's that's somebody else's thoughts, patterns, ideas. Um, Or when I watch the news, I'm ingesting something else out there. Um, or And those are the far away, the sort of outside of me. But then there's the close spheres, my family, my friends, the people that probably have the most influence over me. Those also find the way inside of me. And then all of a sudden, as Paul says in Romans, I have this really weird combination of ideas that are at war opposing inside of me at all times. Mm -hmm. And so 
in these three different spheres, I think listening is super important because if there's so many different voices trying to shape the way we think and then, you know, we think then therefore we act, we have to be able to use this really powerful word card called discernment, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, another way we could say is listening to what's going on, but then discerning where is this coming from and what do I do with it? Yeah, because in addition, like when you're talking about the opposing views inside of you, I think in addition to the things that we've ingested, we also know that the line between good and evil runs through the human soul. Yeah. So even within you, you might have ideas, whether they've come from the outside or whether they've come from the inside right. that are not of God, that are not true, that are not good even and having to discern what are the good things that are inside of me because we all the image of god too yeah so we've got good and bad even within our own minds plus we have all the good and bad from outside that's kind of there's a lot there to sort out and to figure out how to discern and if we can't listen to other people if we can't listen to our own selves and if we can't listen to the holy spirit we're gonna have no hope in how to move forward in that and and in some ways i can feel almost paralyzed at first in how you describe that yes Right? Overwhelming. It can something. be it can be a little overwhelming. That's one outcome of that. But I think the healthy outcome of all of that is just humility. Mm-hmm. So recognizing that as I'm ingesting all the stuff that it's out there or close to me and it's it's making its way through my own soul, um, I have to process that with a lot of humility because I know that there's a part of me that's broken and that's going to gravitate towards ideas that are making me powerful or comfortable mm-hmm. or happy or but then there's this other part of me that loves Jesus and desperately wants the world to too and those things are at war inside of me all the time and so as i turn that through my own soul before i speak <laughs> i have to allow that level of humility to just like sit inside of my heart um which i think is one of the most important things when it comes to this idea. When I think what you said echoes something I, you've said on on previous podcasts of things are complicated yeah. and situations and people are complicated and taking mm-hmm. time to listen and to, dis- to discern mm-hmm. um, what we think is always black and white. There's a lot of gray. Yeah. yeah. And we need to take time to discern and see what is gray, what is black and what is white. And a lot of times what I thought was black yeah. and white turns out to be gray. Well, you guys yeah. remember that story with Jesus and the consecrated bread? Yes. Right? Um, David and the consecrated bread. Well, yeah, Jesus sorry, and the Jesus disciples is talking are eating about the, it. the wheat in the field or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but Jesus is telling the story about David and the consecrated bread. Yeah, sorry, Jesus and the <laughs> consecrated like, bread. I was like, he didn't need that. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but Jesus is retelling that story. And when he does, he kind of shattered my idea. Like when I began to read that, sort of shattered my ideas about um, like right and wrong in some regards. Mm -hmm. And I remember as a young Christian, I was navigating like this idea of truth. And, you know, Jesus kind of holds up this story where David honestly acts deceitful, but Mm -hmm. for the good of Mm -hmm. him, like his own life. And even technically breaks the law that that God had given um, in order to accomplish something that God was orchestrating. And, and I think to your point, Caroline, he introduces this very interesting space that for a lot of people is very uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it, it, it seems like Jesus, he does like affirm that breaking the rules in that regards for the greater value, which is human life is which, important. Which isn't a license for us to break all rules mm-hmm. no, as much as all. I would love for that to be. <laughs> <laughs> um, but because Jesus follows it up and also 
says in in another passage that the entire law hinges on two commands mm-hmm. of love God and love your neighbor. Right. And what is loving? Yeah. Um, and I think that needs to be our first question. Yeah, sure. Of of the whole law is summed up in that that love. And what does love look like? Well, I think that's a great question. I'll turn it back around to you guys because, you know, when, you know, we think about loving somebody who has an opposing viewpoint as us, that can come loaded with all sorts of not good things. Mm-hmm. Um, or it can be confusing. Like, for example, you know, we could be dealing with somebody who's doing something destructive in behavior, right, to the people around them. And I say, well, it's our job to love them. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Love messy, right? Does it mean that I have like warm, ooey gooey feelings towards that person? Love is not a feeling. Yeah, let's just plug. First Corinthians thirteen says, "Love not a feeling." Feeling not in that list of what love is. Yeah, let's plug Bob Goff for a little bit here. And love does. Love's an action. Um, It's something we choose to do. It doesn't always feel warm and fuzzy. And uh, for anyone who is a parent or any any relationship, you know that love has boundaries. Um, because it's very unhealthy when it doesn't. Yeah. As the DC Talk song says, love is a verb. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> DC Talk, they knew it all. They knew it all. Tell no, but I love that idea um, that love is an action word. Mm-hmm. It's actively doing something on the betterment and behalf of somebody else. So when Jesus does sum up the law, you know, he is also embodying that. Mm-hmm. He showed up and he did things and he gave his life. That was not always an ooey-gooey warm feeling in his stomach. And Jesus loved people without taking on their belief systems. Mm-hmm. Just Tell me because, more. Just because I love you and treat you as a fellow human does not mean that I agree with everything that you believe and stand for <laughs> yeah. and even say. I think mm-hmm. that's really important, especially yeah. today. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, we've become a very intolerant society. Um, which is interesting as a whole, yeah. Um, because we think that we it, it's impossible to say I love you and I disagree with you at the same time. Mm-hmm. Jesus yeah. does such a good a good job um, of making sure that his actions and his words are the embodiment of love. At the same time, sometimes disagreeing with the things that they're doing. Yeah, and I think going back to what, something you said earlier of we want things to be black and white, I think we see that with love, that often love isn't black and white in that, you know, the same action could be loving in one situation and unloving in another one. And so when we're dealing with love, we're getting into that gray world and our society has this binary thing where it wants these are the good guys and these are the bad guys and wants to make it really obvious and we treat the good guys this way and we cancel the bad guys and that's what we want to do and in reality that first off there aren't really those teams as we've seen as multiple things have come out about different people who we've even thought were very exemplary there is no 100% pure good guy and to be honest there's no 100% bad bad guy either Um, and how we kind of have to wrestle with that grayness in our relationships and in what we're reading and how we treat people that disagree with us. It's very complicated. Yeah. It seems like, but it seems like a human issue. Yes. We want to do this because as easy as it is for me to point at our culture Mm -hmm. um, and say that they're part of the problem. We do it too. I was going to say, I feel (laughs) like, you know, there's this tendency inside of me 
to want to know where the lines are. Yeah. Or even want to categorize people in my own life of, I like this person. I don't like this person. I want to be with this person. I don't want to be, I don't want to be associated with that person over here. When in reality, it's a lot, it should be a lot more graceful and a lot more gray and a lot more messy than that probably. And I think that there's an undercurrent of fear. Yeah. Um, there's a fear mm. of contamination. There's a fear mm-hmm. of guilty by association. That's that a if big I'm, thing right now. If I'm seen mm-hmm. with this person, then people are going to lump me into yeah. the group. Yeah. And that's really actually very destructive because one of the other things that I've seen is, oh, something came out about XYZ person. And so now everything that that person ever did is now invalidated. So we as a team have been reading John Maxwell's The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And we have been laughing about some of the examples that he uses in that book because a lot of them, since the book was written, have since been canceled. Sure. But that doesn't mean that the points that he's making in the book are invalid. And that doesn't mean that the people that he's writing about, that what they did that he's pointing out that were good, that doesn't make those things less good anymore it just makes them human yeah 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 i think you know again like we talked earlier that we're going to talk a lot about jesus and this was something that he did constantly yeah you know he he was near people whose lifestyle he wouldn't necessarily agree with but one of the things i've always found fascinating is jesus seems to spend a lot less time trying to tell people that they're right or wrong Mm -hmm and a lot more time coming close to them and telling them about the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not because I think Jesus is passive aggressive. <laughs> it's no. not because I think he's manipulative. It's not bait and switch evangelism. Right. Like he is less concerned about their behavior first than he is their hearts. And he's less concerned about modifying their actions than he is about helping them understand that they're loved deeply by the father. Mm-hmm. Well, as I read the New Testament this year, I've really been focusing on the term walk. Walk? Mm. Walk. And it's not just the New Testament. It's all over the Old Testament of how we walk with God mm-hmm. is a word picture that the Bible uses. Sure. And that's relational and over time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a process. It's a process. And you have to maintain conversation and it it's gradual. It's not fast. Mm-hmm. And uh one of the word one of the word pictures I use to describe conversations with people is I want to be able to talk about uncomfortable topics yeah. and be able to stay in the same car, <laughs> which is kind of a modern viewpoint of walking with someone. <laughs> of we're going someplace together. There's this kingdom. We're going there together, but we need to talk to each other and stay in the same car. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. the sphere of like people that are close to you. You know, we've talked a little bit about managing the sphere of. Um, opposing ideas inside of us. But then there's that, you know, sphere of people that are our friends, our family, our congregation, our coworkers, people that we orbit around on a regular basis. And one of the things we talked about is listening. And the other thing we talked about is humility. Mm -hmm. The two of those together go a long ways in relationship in regards to opposing ideas. Can you think of anything else that would be beneficial in, you know, having conversations with people, um, particularly people we have relationship with that, um, hold opposing ideas to us. I mean, we it's kind of in the topic that we're talking about overall is grace. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, just having grace. Right. Yeah, and like, what, what does that like practically mean though? Like, you know, does that mean 
I just don't say anything at all about my opinion. I just kind of let myself be a doormat in the situation. No, I mean, like, I think that looks very different depending on what situation you're talking about. Because I think, you know, if you're in the grocery store and you happen to be talking to the person behind you and all of a sudden they start spouting a bunch of things that you don't think are true, you have no relationship with this person, right, you don't know anything right. about them, to smile and nod is probably fine in that particular situation. Being gracious is just listening in that particular sphere. If it's somebody that you have more relationship with, I think it's being it's it's listening to them to make sure you understand their view. And then when you do express your view, because at times you should of doing that with that humble heart of being like, hey, I know I'm not right about everything, but like I've heard your view on this thing. Here's a couple things that I just would here's some things that I've seen take those things or leave them. This is just something I'm throwing out there and not trying to make the conversation into some sort of like, I want to win at the end. Like it's not a competition. It's a conversation. And those are two very different things. Absolutely. But I think we turn everything into a competition. Yeah. And so many conversations are started with, I need to be right. I need to prove that I'm right. right. Well, that's at least that internal motivation that there is a, or there's a right thing that I'm standing for. Mm -hmm. And in this moment, I need to make it known. Yeah. I need everybody, you know, I need to get my proposition out there. I need, and uh, it it makes for horrible relationships. And I don't think that that happens as as much as we make it happen. Um, I I think we often think that I have to get my opinion out there. I have to (laughs) let people know where I stand on this. Yeah. I feel that a lot more than in reality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's needed. I -hmm. agree. Have you ever like encountered somebody who's genuinely curious about you and has little to no interest to tell you what their opinion is? They just ask questions. Yes. Yes. Sometimes those people are a little annoying after a while. They're like, (laughs) I don't know anything about you. But they make great counselors and therapists. (laughs) Well, yeah. But I mean, I I typically find those people in my life, I actually, like after talking at them for an hour and realizing I didn't, like I actually, they have something I want to know. Yes. And I think that's the key is get to the point where the person actually wants to know your opinion. Yes. If they don't want to know your opinion, sharing it probably isn't going to do any good because (laughs) they didn't ask for it. I have a friend who for Lent gave up giving her opinion. Oh. Um, How did that go? That's amazing. Unless she would share if they asked for it. And she told Uh her family that this was her Lent this year. She was not going to share her opinion. And she said it was wonderful. It, it changed her relationship with her family. Wow. They, they would come to her and ask her opinion. Yeah. And, and they would come and tell her things that they wouldn't have told her otherwise. Mm-hmm. And uh, she would, it's just raving that this has just changed their lives. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely find that, you know, that's, that's the most disarming thing you can do in a relationship with somebody is be a listener. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, be less concerned about correcting them and more curious about, you know, where they're coming from. And if they genuinely want to know what you have to say, you have new, a new pathway towards relationship that you never had before. Yeah. Um, I feel like in our current world where so many people are feeling isolated and so many people, like so much of discourse culturally and politically and all of that is a lot of people yelling at each other. I think listening is the most beautiful and loving gift that we can give a lot of people. Whether or not we agree with what they say, just being able to listen and just that act in and of itself 
speaks more than our opinions probably yeah. do. There's a um, ancient spiritual formation practice that fits this conversation in regards to all of these spheres of engagement of op opposing ideas. And it comes from the teachings of Jesus where he um, is talking about like removing the plank out of our eye before mm -hmm. we help remove the speck out of somebody else's. And um, the therapy world has adopted this and they use the language that it's okay to observe without making judgment on mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to look at the world out there and see what's happening before you ascribe it's bad, it's good, it's mm -hmm. this, it's that, just to observe. Um, they also say you can apply that internally, like I'm feeling sad. Before you say feeling sad is bad, mm -hmm. just observe that you feel sad. Um, Jesus takes that to a, another level as well. I think it, when he's talking about the log and the plank idea, it's okay to observe what's going on in the world. And instead of not make judgment, I would say withhold judgment, right? Like wait mm -hmm. and and, once you are able to remove the log out of your own eye, um, you'll see clearly enough to be able to actually engage the problem. And so I just found that whole idea, and it's again, it's in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' teachings on judgment. Um, but I find that whole idea, no matter what sphere you're dealing with, if you allow that to be the first and foremost like thought in your mind, it will guide you, Jesus, believe it or not, will guide you to the right direction in all of those. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I think one of the reasons that we're so hesitant to look at opposing ideas and to jump in um, and to make a call is because we're afraid. Mm -hmm. We're afraid of the opposing ideas. We're afraid that it it's going to impact us in a negative way. And I think we come back to the Bible and it's greater he who is in me than he who is in the world. Mm -hmm. That is not going to contaminate me to the point of, being bad. Mm -hmm. I can I can jump in and trust that God is bigger and better than anything I'm going to jump into and he's got me. Yeah, and that's the freedom that we have in Christ, right? We're not supposed to live with a spirit of fear, whether that's fear of, you know, things that happen to us or that's fear of ideas or the idea of contamination that if I read or if I listen to or if I talk to this person, I'll be guilty by association or whatever. Like we already know where we stand in God's eyes. So we therefore have freedom to be able to listen and to be able to learn and to be able to look without being afraid that somehow like that's going to change our standing. Yeah. There is still a right and wrong. Yes. At the end of all of this, there is still, it's important for us to say that because if you're listening to this, you're like, well, there's no space for right or wrong. It's just everything. You're not you know. relativists. That is not what No, we're, we're not. We're not. It, we're just trying to point to a Jesus <laughs> who lived, um, who loved people that he disagreed with all the time. And we're called to do that exact same thing, which yes. is messy. And, and Jesus has the advantage of being perfect. <laughs> yeah. And we don't have that same advantage. So that's where the humility has to come in for us of, I'm going to hold my ideas. I'm going to hold some of my ideas loosely. There's some things that I'm really sure about. I'm really sure that Jesus is the son of God. I'm really sure that I'm saved. I'm really sure God exists. Those are the things that I'm going to be like, yes, I will die to like, in my mind to protect these ideas. But there's other things where it's like, I don't know, like I have an opinion about this, but I could be wrong. And things that either the Bible doesn't speak on in great detail or 
political things where Christians can have the same Bible and love Jesus and disagree on them. And those are the ones that we have to hold really loosely. And those are the ones where it's important to listen, most important, I think, to listen to opposing voices of what am I missing on this topic? And Jesus believed in right and wrong. Yes. But he led with love. Yes. Always. He didn't start out with proving that I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't need to. He was not concerned about that document. Well, and that was the other thing that came to my mind too, was like this conversation requires a level of security in your own soul too. Mm -hmm. Because I think one of the reasons why we get afraid to engage with opposing ideas is because if we, it's like pulling a run on a nylon. Like if we do that, who knows what's going to be left of our faith, what's going to be unraveled because I've held on to this belief so long. I built my identity around it. Um, you know, the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians also talks about things that are built on with wood, hay, and straw. Um, and eventually those things will burn away, but there is a foundation that doesn't go away. And so our foundation is in the creator of the universe, right? So we shouldn't be afraid that anything created is going to erode the creator of the universe, but it may cause us to ask really hard questions. It may cause us to maybe deconstruct certain aspects of the way we're thinking. But at the end of that, we still believe that our God is bigger than all of those things. So if your fear is that perhaps if I go down that road, I don't know what's going to happen to my faith. In a lot of ways, that's actually an invitation Mm -hmm. to deepen and strengthen your faith, not to lose it. Yeah, because I think we see an example throughout biblical history even of God using things outside of the people of God to teach people oh, about yeah. him. Oh yeah. So we have a course that we've done one iteration of, but that's gonna we're gonna do again that um, Pastor Steve Mitchell and Pastor Mark Nicholas are teaching together on the book of Leviticus. And they're going to show people kind of how to do that with the ancient world of like, hey, here's the nation of Egypt, here are the things that they believed, here's how they were different, and here's how they were similar to the Israelite people, and use that kind of as a foil for how can we then do that same thing in our own culture? Where are the echoes? of God in our culture. So if that's something that you're interested in, that will be coming up in the month of May. You can go to b4church.org slash courses to find more information or for regis- or to register for that. Um, so if you want some practice in a very structured situation of some of this stuff, that might be a great opportunity of something to dig into. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. we said we would answer questions every oh, yeah. single what week. What is our question, Alex? Okay, so we got a question that came in and it has to do with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What a fun topic. What a fun topic. Yeah, the question is, um, is there such thing as a baptism of the Holy Spirit and is it still available to the church today? I think that's a great question that is right along, along what we've been talking about yeah. because mm-hmm. I think there's a whole different um, viewpoints out there on, mm-hmm. on this. And- yeah. You know, I think there's a lot of areas we can learn. I agree. I The way I typically answer this question is in that exact same vein. Um, first and foremost, the scriptures are abundantly clear that we're to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. Now, what does that mean? The word mm-hmm. baptism literally means immersed. So I think about the idea of being immersed fully in the life of the Spirit. Um, now, after that, 
like being filled and immersed in the life of the spirit. There's a million other questions where Christians for thousands of yeah. years. What have, does that look like? Does yeah. this count? Does that count? When does this happen? Is it yeah. one time? Is it ongoing? Is it, and I would just say, lean into those questions with absolute humility. The Bible, particularly the book of Acts and the New Testament has really interesting things to say yeah. about the Holy Spirit as the gift of God in our life, empowering us for witness and ministry. And so, is the baptism of the Holy Spirit real? Absolutely. Yes. What is it? It is the full filling, immersion, empowerment of the Spirit of God in our life. Um, when does that happen? That's a point of debate. Yeah. People have said that happens after um, conversion instantaneously. Some people and within our after tradition baptism. at Foursquare says it happens later baptism, on. It's yeah. a subsequent experience. Um, there's conflicting evidence even in the New Testament yeah. at times around those issues. The point is, it, the New Testament teaches us to eagerly desire the presence of God, his Holy Spirit's work in our life. And the New Testament is also abundantly clear. That never stopped. That's not like done. It doesn't end just because the scriptures, the canon is closed and God's spirit is no longer active in the church. His spirit is still alive. So that's how I would answer that question. Yeah, and the only thing that I would add to that is we have to have grace in that conversation for other Christians who have different thoughts and even other Christians who have different experiences because looking at the book of Acts, what that looks like and when that happens, the reason we can't be definitive on it is because if you look in Acts, it happens at different times for different people right. and how that looks like appears in different ways. Right. So great question, Alex. Thanks. Yeah. Well, um, again, if you have any questions, please, please, please feel free to email them into us. We would love to actually answer your yes. questions live on the podcast or when we record the podcast. Um, hey, if you're listening and you felt like this episode in particular connected with you, we want to encourage you to do a couple things. Yes, we do. First of all, if you have a question, you can send those questions to podcast at b4church.org. That's the email address for that. We'd love to get those. Um, and if you enjoyed today's episode, as Alex was saying, feel free to share this on social media, send it via email, call your grandma and tell her that she should listen to this episode, whatever that looks like for you. Um, and make sure that you're subscribed to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube so that they just automatically come to you every week and you'll never miss an episode. If you have a second, take we would love it if you would rate and review the podcast that also helps other people to find it um, and it's some good feedback for us to know what we can do better and what we're doing well so until next week we'll see you guys then well hey everybody thanks for joining us be sure to visit b4church.org for more information if you've enjoyed this podcast you can subscribe you can share it with your friends you can even take a screenshot and share it on social media if you like tag us at b4church Thanks for listening and we'll see you soon.